0: Well, good morning everybody. Uh, my name is Simon Clegg and I'm the pastor of St Barnabas Bible Church here in Cape Town, South Africa. Uh, I hope by the grace of God that our talk this morning will be a blessing to you, uh, even as you continue in fellowship with your local church. If you're not attending a local church and want to find out more about uh, what happens at St Barnabas, can I invite you to visit our website www. And if you'd like one of us on the staff to be in contact with you, uh, you can leave your contact details for us on the tab on the home page. Now, on this Easter Sunday morning, uh, we've come to the third and final part of our Easter series. And as we begin, can I invite you to open your Bible and turn with me to the Gospel of John? chapter 20 and I'm going to be reading the first 18 verses. Gospel of John chapter 20 beginning at verse 1 Early on the first day of the week while it was still dark Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple the one Jesus loved and said they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him so Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb uh, both were running but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first he bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there but he didn't go in then Simon Peter who was behind him arrived and went into the tomb he saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the burial cloth that had been wound around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead At this she turned round and saw Jesus standing there but she did not realise that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni which means teacher Jesus said do not hold on to me for I have not yet returned to the father go instead to my brothers and tell them I'm returning to my father and your father to my God and your God Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news I have seen the Lord and she told them that he had said these things to her well, let's be quiet for a moment and ask the Lord to help us uh, understand this marvellous passage. Let's pray. Heavenly Father we do thank you for the privilege of an open Bible and as we come to this account of the resurrection we pray that what we know not you will teach us, what we have not you will give us and what we are not you will make us and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I want you to imagine for a moment a typical home group meeting. Uh, it's the first meeting after Easter. Everybody has gathered in Pastor Bob's home. And uh, Pastor Bob opens up the meeting by saying, well, as you know, this year we've set ourselves a target of having a hundred gospel conversations with people who don't, don't normally come to church. And so this evening we're going to be thinking about how to talk to these people about the resurrection now almost before Pastor Bob can finish what he's saying he's interrupted by Sam and Sam is the sceptic of the group and he says but Pastor we all know that the resurrection didn't really happen Uh, people in the first century were terribly superstitious they didn't have our sophisticated scientific knowledge and uh, as soon as the Christians heard rumours of a risen Jesus they they assumed it was true and they recorded it as fact. Immediately Susie cuts in. Uh, Susie grew up in a rather more charismatic church and she says no Sam you've got it all wrong when Jesus died the disciples were heartbroken Uh, they really did believe that he was the Messiah but after he died they had this kind of inner feeling this sixth sense that Jesus was still with them in some way guiding them, living on in their hearts and over the years these feelings of Jesus living on spiritually uh, developed into stories that he had been raised physically and that's how the resurrection story came into the Bible at this point Ben uh, he can't contain himself and he he bursts out he loves conspiracy theories and Ben says well actually you're both wrong. The truth is that Jesus had an identical twin brother no one knew about him and uh, after Jesus died the twin brother kind of picked up where Jesus left off and because no one could tell the difference people started saying that Jesus must have risen well the meeting went on rather like that for about an hour with everybody airing their opinions but no one opened a Bible and no one went out to share the gospel so what really did happen on that first Easter day well let me start by drawing your attention to a puzzle that no atheist and no skeptic has ever been able to explain You see, the Gospel writers tell us that during his ministry Jesus told his disciples on no less than three separate occasions that he would die, but that his death would not be the end. So, for example, in Luke 9, Jesus said The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And he said the same thing on at least two other occasions. In other words, Jesus told his disciples in words of one syllable that he would be raised to life on the third day. So isn't it interesting that when the third day came not one of the disciples, not one went off on his own initiative to the tomb to wait for Jesus. Isn't that extraordinary? No one said, Uh, it's the third day Uh, Jesus said he would be raised let's go and meet him now that can only mean one thing it must mean that the disciples did not believe that the resurrection was possible they were sceptical no doubt their reasons for not believing were slightly different to the reasons sceptics give today but here's the puzzle by the time we get to the book of Acts the disciples can't stop talking about the resurrection so here's Peter a mere six weeks after the events in John chapter 20 he's addressing the crowd in Jerusalem and he says this Jesus was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge and you with the help of wicked men put him to death by nailing him to the cross but God raised him from the dead freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him and as the rest of the New Testament unfolds we see that all of the disciples were transformed from frightened rabbits into courageous preachers and at the heart of their message was a passionate conviction that Jesus was not dead but alive and to a man all of them insisted that the resurrection is central to Christianity and they testified to that conviction by their transformed lives so for the next few minutes what I want us to do is take a fresh look at John's account to help us reach our own conclusion about this unique event and so we're going to look at the text under four headings, firstly The witnesses of the resurrection, because the resurrection is not just wishful thinking. Secondly, the evidence of the resurrection, because what Christians believe about it is based on eyewitness testimony. Thirdly, the promise of the resurrection, because the resurrection was promised by God hundreds of years before it happened. And then lastly, the meaning of the resurrection because if it happened we need to know what it means for men and women today so firstly then the witnesses to the resurrection now the first thing to notice is that the testimony to the resurrection comes from people who were actually there and who saw what happened now that is a key principle that runs all the way through John's book and it's a principle that he outlines for us in verses 30 and 31 of chapter 20 have a look at it with me Uh, John 20 verse 30 Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the Son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name now Christians are so familiar with these verses that I think it will help us to see what John's getting at if we think about them in reverse order first in verse 31 John says he wants us to have life that is he wants us to discover who we really are and why we're really here he wants to show us how we can enjoy a life that is full of meaning and purpose beginning now stretching on into eternity Second, also in verse 31 he says that we get this life by believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God but what is belief? Some people say that belief is no more than wishful thinking but the Bible doesn't say that the Bible says that belief is something very different belief always has both a trusting side and an intellectual side and therefore thirdly that John has provided us with real evidence in verse 30 he says that he's written down all the evidence we will ever need in order to believe and then fourthly and perhaps most important of all he says that the evidence comes from the people who are on the spot he's written down what Jesus did in the presence of his disciples so they were there they saw what happened now in our passage uh, verse 8 is a perfect example of the principle speaking about himself uh, John says finally the other disciple who'd reached the tomb first also went inside he saw and believed and all the way through the chapter John keeps kind of hammering away on the same point that the disciples saw the risen Lord Jesus and they believed so wishful thinking is nowhere to be found in John 20 Uh, in verse 18 for example we read that Mary Magdalene says I have seen the Lord in verse 20 we're told the disciples saw the Lord and in verse 25 the disciples tell Thomas we have seen the Lord now we would be extremely dim wouldn't we to miss the point John is saying that we can only dismiss the account of the resurrection by ignoring the eyewitness testimony of the people who were actually there experts say that more people have come to faith in Jesus by studying John's gospel than any other New Testament book and surely that's one of the reasons why but having said that what did these eyewitnesses actually see and this is where we come to our second point the evidence of the resurrection now in verse 1 Mary Magdalene saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance now in our passage John uses three different words in the original language for the English verb to see And the word in verse 1 means quite simply that Mary observed the situation. She didn't pause to think about who might have moved the stone or why they did it. Instead she immediately reaches the conclusion that the body has been snatched. And so she rushes off to fetch Peter and John who come running to the tomb. Uh, John who was the younger disciple outruns Peter he reaches the tomb first and as an aside just notice the little character detail in verse 5 because John didn't go in straight away Uh, from what we know of John he was a rather sensitive thoughtful perceptive uh, person he didn't rush into anything on the other hand uh, Peter comes along huffing and puffing behind him and immediately charges into the tomb now that is absolutely typical of what we know of Peter's impulsive nature it's only a little detail but I think it's uh, very true to life and it lends weight to the truthfulness of John's account so Peter went into the tomb and in verse 6 he saw the strips of linen lying there now that is the second thing that the eyewitnesses saw and here the verb saw uh, comes from uh, a word that means to look at something critically the word in the original language gives us our English word theory so Peter uh, looked at the strips of linen and he tried to work out a theory to explain the missing body Uh, John especially draws our attention to the strips of linen you'll notice that he mentions them three times once in verse 5 then again in verse 6 and then again in verse 7 what does he want us to understand? well when Jesus raised Lazarus from the tomb in uh, chapter 11 Jesus told his friends to remove the strips of linen in which Lazarus had been wrapped when he died but here although the body of Jesus is missing the strips of linen have been left behind and notice will you that they're not unwound and neatly folded no in verses 5 and 6 they are just lying there just as they had been when they contained the body Peter also saw the head cloth in verse 7 folded up by itself separate from the linen and uh, John Stott says that a more helpful translation than folded up would be twirled. In other words, the, the headcloth was still in its turban shape as it had been when it was wound around Jesus' head. Listen to what John Stott, uh, John Stott says about that. Quote A glance at these grave clothes proved the reality and indicated the nature of the resurrection they had been neither touched nor folded nor manipulated by any human being and then he says this they were like a discarded chrysalis from which the butterfly has emerged and that's why you see in verse 8 John saw and believed and here, the verb translated saw is a word that means to understand. Uh, and he's talking about what happens when you've been perhaps wrestling with a clue to a crossword puzzle. And suddenly you get it, and you say to your friend, Ah, now I see. So John shares with us the evidence that persuaded him personally to believe that Jesus had risen and he's absolutely confident that that is all the evidence we need now over the years countless people have scrutinised the evidence for the resurrection because so much depends on it to give you just one example listen to the verdict of a senior lawyer this is uh, Sir Edward Clark QC quote as a lawyer I've made a prolonged study of of the evidence for the events of the first Easter day. To me the evidence is conclusive and over and over again in the High Court I have secured a verdict on evidence not nearly so compelling. Here inference follows on evidence and a truthful witness never puts on a performance. The gospel evidence for the resurrection is of this class and as a lawyer I accept it unreservedly as the testimony of truthful men to facts that they were able to substantiate end quote so we've got credible witnesses we've got compelling evidence but we've also got the promise of the resurrection now in our Easter series we've seen that every significant detail concerning the death of Jesus had been announced by God long before it happened it was all under God's sovereign control we're familiar with that but perhaps we're not quite so familiar with the fact that this applies to the resurrection as well but you'll notice in verse 9 that John says that scripture teaches not only that Jesus had to die but that he also had to rise from the dead now there are lots and lots of different places we could go to in the Old Testament to see these patterns for example we could look at Joseph uh, who was on death row in Egypt with apparently no hope of escape he was as good as dead but when the famine struck Joseph experienced a miraculous resurrection and became the saviour of God's people or then again there is Moses who was sentenced to death by Pharaoh and seemed almost certain to die as an infant in a tiny basket on the Nile but he too experienced a miraculous resurrection and he lived to become the one who redeemed Israel from bondage now you get that same pattern in the lives of David and Daniel and Jonah and a number of others most explicit of all of course is the prophecy in Isaiah 53 uh, which speaks about the servant of the Lord and it says that the servant of the Lord will be sacrificed as a guilt offering by the will of God, he really will die but his death is not the end, instead God gives this amazing promise in Isaiah 53 after the suffering of his soul he will see the light of life and be satisfied. But instead of looking at one of those this morning I want to show you what Jesus himself said about this. Uh, so won't you please keep a finger in John 20 and turn back to John chapter 2. It is our only cross reference this morning but I think it will help you to see it. John's Gospel chapter 2. Now this is right at the very beginning of Jesus's ministry. Jesus has already begun to cause quite a stir especially in the temple and so the Jews come to him and they sort of put him on the spot John chapter 2 verse 18 then the Jews demanded of Jesus what miraculous sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this Jesus answered them destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days the Jews replied it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days but the temple he'd spoken of was his body and after he was raised from the dead the disciples recalled what he'd said then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken, now think about this notice that the religious authorities ask Jesus for a miraculous sign. The answer Jesus gives is so odd it doesn't really seem like an answer at all but one of the unique features of John's Gospel is that John has recorded seven miracles or seven signs to tell us who Jesus really is. And what this little exchange is telling us right at the beginning of the book is that Jesus' resurrection is going to be the seventh sign or if you like the ultimate sign the resurrection will prove that the risen Lord Jesus is the true temple that he is the only meeting place between God and man now that is the promise of the resurrection from scripture confirmed on the lips of Jesus himself and that brings us lastly to the meaning of the resurrection so come back with me please to John 20 Mary Magdalene is the first person to see the risen Christ she's therefore an expert witness and her encounter with Jesus contains important lessons for us about the meaning of the resurrection for us today let me mention three Lesson number one is that we can know Jesus personally. See, the risen Jesus is still the same person after he's raised, but he's different. Mary didn't immediately recognise him. In uh, Luke's account, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, they didn't recognise him immediately either. Then later in John 20, we're told that the risen Jesus can enter a locked room without anybody knowing how on earth he got there and yet when Jesus speaks Mary knows who it is straight away now please notice the obvious point Mary's in the most terrible state because she thinks Jesus has gone, that he's absent and yet all the time Jesus is standing right beside her now does that sound familiar to you? have you ever felt like that? The night before he died Jesus said If anyone loves me he will obey my teaching My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him The point is that if you know Jesus as your teacher and Lord if you're serious about following him he's always with you he's made his home with you so we can know him personally Lesson number two Jesus knows us personally we actually know very little about Mary Magdalene but Luke tells us that Jesus had rescued Mary from a life of satanic control she'd been possessed by seven demons so what would she have been thinking as she stood crying by the tomb well it's not hard to uh, imagine is it that she would have been anxious that with Jesus gone the the demons would come back but look at verse 18 Jesus said to her Mary he calls her by name I wonder what the tone was did Jesus say it reassuringly Mary or maybe he said it with a tone of gentle reproach Mary we don't know whatever tone Jesus used it was certainly full of love and compassion because Jesus knew exactly why she was crying and Mary turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic Rabboni which means teacher now friends you see so often we forget don't we that Jesus knows everything about us he knows all our weaknesses he knows all our fears especially at the moment in this current global crisis and you see in those times when we're in the pit of despair you know he doesn't expect us to go away and work it all out before we come to him in prayer he expects us to come to him with all of our confused thoughts and lay them at his feet and you see it's in those moments that we know that Jesus is right there with us then thirdly and finally lesson number three we have a message that the world needs to hear Come with me to verse 17. Jesus said to Mary, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. What he's saying is, uh, Don't hold on to me, because I'm going to come to you in a much more personal way by the Holy Spirit. Instead, says Jesus, Go to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Now will you notice the pattern here? Jesus, sorry, Mary meets the risen Lord. Uh, He commissions her to go and tell other people. And so she goes obediently to the disciples with the terrific news in verse 18, I have seen the Lord. Now the pattern is the same for us today. The whole point uh, of the resurrection is that we can meet Jesus today not of course in the flesh but through the power of the Holy Spirit and by faith and when we do the experience is just as life changing for us as it was for the first disciples because he comes and he transforms our broken, sorrowing, fearful lives with the sheer delight of knowing him being alive and with us. Now friends, for that reason, next Sunday morning we're going to be starting a new series. Uh, our text will be the Gospel of Mark, which is the shortest and in many ways the clearest of the four Gospels. And throughout the series we'll be thinking especially about those people who are being moved by the global pandemic to consider the claims of the Christian faith for the first time and I do hope you'll join us but for now let's pray Almighty God we praise you for shattering the power of death through the resurrection of Jesus thank you that you're always with us by the Holy Spirit that you know all about our anxieties and fears you know the very worst about us and yet you love us with an everlasting love. Engrave this word upon our hearts, that we might rise above every trial and test and fear with the comfort and wisdom that Jesus alone can give, for it is in his name we ask it. Amen. (coughs)